had the uh, occasion several times to drive down 275 and go up before you get to Sky Bridge. And over on the right, they have this place. It must be a, a good place to do some uh, windsurfing because you always find, you know, five or six, you know, on, on most days that I drove by, uh, out there doing, <laughs> trying to catch the wind, trying to do all that. And I looked at that, and I'm always amazed by it. In fact, I have to keep my eyes on the road so I don't actually drive off of the bridge. Um, but I, I'm always amazed at that and amazed at uh, the, uh, what, 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 the talent to, to catch the wind, to know just the right angle of that sail. You know, and I envision myself out there, and then in, in quickly reality hits and things, I would kill myself. <laughs> but, but that's exciting to think about. What do we have to do to catch the wind? What do we have to do to, to catch the wind in our life, to see what God is trying to say, to see the victories that God is trying to bring into our life and, and stir each one of our lives? You see, I, I, I'm part of the uh, football fan. You see, I've, I've loved football, NFL, for ever since I played high school football, and that's all I did was just high school football, and not very well, but that's another story. So I always, I've always loved football and such, but there's, there's occasions when there's teams that need to win, that haven't been winning, and, and somewhere along the line, you'll, you'll, you'll hear the coach or, you, uh, or, or someone that's in charge say, hey, hey, we really need a win. And sometimes we feel that way. We need a win. There's, you, you, and that was like me in, in the, our NFL fantasy league because I went a couple of, okay, three, four games without winning. And then I thought, I was saying to myself, man, I, I need to win. <laughs> we, we need to show that we can win. And then that week I had the highest points of our whole league, like 165 points, and it was incredible, and I won, and haven't seen any half of that ever since. But that's not the point. The point is, we feel like, man, I need a win. And maybe in your life, you're feeling that way. Maybe in your situation, in your family, in your relationship, in your health, in your finances, with your children, with your parents, you're feeling like, I need a win. I need to find out what is it that God's trying to do? What is it that God's trying to stir in my heart? I want to tell you a story. Uh, it's a, a, in, found in 2 Kings. And we're just going to introduce this because this story is about finding a win. It's about finding the wins. How do we, how do, we do that? Uh, the story goes off. There's, there's a, a, a man and a, a prophet and his wife, and the prophet passes away. Uh, this prophet was a regular prophet. He wasn't like Elisha, but Elisha was the main prophet of the time. And then this wife... All of a sudden, she runs into all kinds of hardship because not only does her, uh, her husband pass away, but then her uh, uh, debt starts to pile up. And I don't know if she had debt that the prophet had beforehand. And prophets would never leave debt, so we'll just say maybe she accumulated afterwards because she didn't have any income. I don't know. But then, after that, not only did her husband die, not only did she have all this kind of debt she couldn't pay if she couldn't meet. But then at the same time, the creditors, which is the time and what they would do, would come and they were threatening to take her two sons to pay off the debt, basically to have them work as slaves. So this is a desperate situation. Hey, this is a point where she needs a win. <laughs> and maybe you felt that way before. Maybe you've been in that situation before. You feel like, I need a win. I need God. You need to do something. <laughs> Am I relating to anybody? It... God, when are you going to move here? And when is this going to happen? And when is this going to turn around? And when is it going to change? God, I, I need a win. 
I need you to do something. And we feel that way, and we feel that, that struggle. But what happened in the story was this woman goes to Elisha, and she says, you got to help me. I love Elisha's first response. <laughs> i got no money. What are you talking about? I can't help you. I mean, I, I, you know, I, this is, I, don't, I don't have anything. And then he thought for a minute, and he thought, okay, let's try to figure this out. Let's try to help her. So he said, uh, what do you have in your house? What can we do to maybe sell or to manage and, and, and to make this, uh, create a win for you? And she said, I have nothing. He said, oh, you've got to have something. She said, I have absolutely nothing. I, the only thing I have is a little bit of anointing oil. Now, why this is important is because anointing oil was mainly used for not only anointing special things, but for mainly for death, to anoint the body. And so it was very valuable because of that. She had a little bit left. She says, all I have is this little bit, so when I die, which will be soon, uh, because I would have lost everything, then I have this little bit of oil. That's all she had. But there's something about, I think, in, in reflecting on the story, when Elisha heard anointing oil, something probably stirred in him. He's thinking, anointing oil? God can use that. God can use that and turn this whole situation around. So he said, this is what I want you to do. I want you and your sons to go out and find every empty vessel you can, every, from everywhere, any direction. Bring them all in the house, and then take the oil and pour it into the empty vessels. And they did. And they filled it up and filled up, and, and they filled every single, every single vessel. And then I want, to, I want you to look at 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 6, and it says this. When all the jars were full, so this little bit of anointing oil, this just little bit changed everything. It filled every, every single vessel in the house. Now watch this. When they were full, she said to her sons, bring me another one. Come on, this keeps going. It keeps pouring. It's not going to stop. Keep pouring. And all of a sudden they said, there is not a jar left. Not one empty vessel. Then the oil You just got to understand what just happened there. He said, now take what you have and you can go sell it. But the oil stopped when all of a sudden there were no more empty vessels in the house. The oil stopped flowing when all of a sudden all the vessels that were in the house were full. And this is something we need to understand because we need to step into the story a little bit because I believe it applies to each one of us and even to our world's and to everything, our families, and everything that's going around. You see, when we become full, the anointing oil, which represents the Holy Spirit, which represents the presence of God, stop. The, God's presence, God's Holy Spirit, fills empty vessels. Now, we have this backwards concept. We think, i got to come in full. i got to come in looking good. i got to come in so everyone thinks I'm okay, that I'm not hurting, that I'm not struggling, that everything's, everything's fine. i got to be okay. But according to what we understand here, the, the oil flowed only into the empty vessels to fill it. God wants you full. Don't, don't get me wrong. He wants you filled with His presence. But if we come to the point that we're so full that we can't receive anything that God's trying to do, we're so full that we can't be touched and filled with what God is trying to pull in our life, it changes everything. You see, while there is an empty, longing heart, there is a continual flow of, of His fountain 
of His grace in our life. When we come to the point where we're hungry for Him. Are you hungry this morning? Did you come in, come in saying, God, I need more of you. I want more of you. And, or did you come and say, I'm full. I'm good, man. I had a good week. Everything went well. Everything, you know, I, you know I, it didn't fall apart, so I guess I'm okay. When, you see the difference? But if there's a longing heart, God is so eager and so willing to feel every single heart, to feel it. And maybe you, uh, maybe you thought, or maybe they thought when they were out looking that, oh, I don't need that one. That one's well, sort of cracked at the top. We can't get it very full. I wonder if when they saw that the oil stopped, they didn't think, oh, man, maybe, maybe I could have got just one more. Maybe, maybe if, I, if I'd have just grabbed that extra one, if I'd have gone to that other house, you know, the ones on the outskirts, the one that was too far, the one that didn't want to go, if I had just gone and knocked on that door and said, give me all your vessels, Maybe we would just have one more vessel that would be filled, one more that would change everything. This morning, I want to talk to you about wind, winds, winds, and the wind. Winds is God creating winds in your life. And God wants to do that. Don't get me wrong. Don't, don't think that, that it's only about God trying to make us suffer. God wants to create winds in your life, and He does it through the wind of His Holy Spirit. How do we understand? How do we catch that wind so that we can sail? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How do we uh, position ourselves so that God is bringing the victory so that the thing we're struggling with, that sin that has us, that, that, uh, that pain that we're, that's in our heart, that past, that shame, whatever it is, how do we find a win in that area? I want to talk about this by talking about the victories that Jesus taught. And I want to do so looking at three different circumstances and three different situations that we find. You see, God's wind is blowing. Are we willing to do something about it? And the, the first set I want to look at are the temptations of Christ. Christ goes out into the wilderness and he was fasting for 40 days. At the end of that, that Satan comes to him and tempts him three times. And this is my first thought. Okay, how do we create winds? How do we build winds? We build winds and the wind through the power of of who Christ is. We have to know. You know, the whole temptations, all the temptations, you know what they're about? The the divinity of Christ. Are you the Son of God? Are you really God Himself? And that's what the enemy was trying to break down. What was the enemy was trying to cause Jesus to move away from? Now, the first uh, temptation was, as we know, uh, okay, if you're hungry... Turn this stone into bread, because you got the power. You God? <laughs> Are you really God? Then turn this stone into bread. Jesus said, no, I'm not going to do that. We don't live by bread alone. You see, here's the point. Jesus understood God had a plan. God had a plan. God had a purpose. Was he willing to trust that plan? Was he willing to believe that God was in charge of where he was at? He was in the wilderness, he was hungry, probably day 38, 30, whatever, toward the end. Have you ever fasted that long? That's, there's some intense hunger going on right about there. And, 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 and he tempts him to, to try to make the bread. But the point was, do you trust God? 
If you're going to find victories in your life, you need to get to the point where you're going to trust His plan. He's got a plan for you. It is not happenstance. You are not just going through things because this is what happened. We do not live by fate. We live by faith. We trust God that God has a plan, even in the struggle, even in the pain, even in the hardship, even in the wars and the rumors of wars and all these things going on. Do you believe that God has a plan for you? Do you believe that He's watching? That's the only way you're going to see wins in your life. And that's what Jesus teaches us with this first temptation, to trust Him uh, with all of our heart. I love 2 Corinthians 10, 4. It says, the weapons we fight with are the weapons, are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. Come on. God can do this if we trust Him, if we believe in His power, if we believe that this is what God is trying to do in our life. The, the second temptation that He, he dealt with or was to... The, Satan actually brought Him to, out of the wilderness, either in His mind or probably physically, I'm thinking, to the top of the temple. And so there's people all around. Everywhere, and he says, hey, the Bible says if you jump off, God will protect you if you're God. Remember, all this was about the divinity of Christ. And even now today, people attack the divinity of Christ and say he wasn't born of a virgin, he wasn't God himself, that's not what it was. But it actually, this is everything about our victory, your victory, how you get a victory, how do you live wins, what are the wins that we need to build in our life? That all comes from understanding who Christ is. If you do not believe he's God, we're at... A zero. <laughs> we can't go anywhere with that. You might as well serve another religion. You might as well go to the, the lodge down the street or have a club. Or, because that's not what's going to change anything. The only thing that changes us is that we know God has a plan and God has a power. And He is the Son of God. So, He said, jump off. Now, I think we get this temptation confused. Because it really wasn't about hurting Jesus because... He knew that he was God. He knew that he would be there. So what was the temptation? What was he tempting him with? He was saying, if you jump off and you'll just sort of float down and everyone will see you. Everyone will see that you're, that you're somebody special. In other words, you just take the shortcut. <laughs> just take the shortcut because, hey, you want to launch a ministry? There's a way to do it. <laughs> Come floating down from the temple. Don't you think that's going to... Who's going to question him? What are the Pharisees going to say then? Come on, this is a way to do it, Jesus. Just cut the corner. Just do that. And Jesus said, no, no, no. It's by faith. I will trust God. I won't do this. I won't go that way. I won't believe that. I won't be fall into that. Because it would just be nothing but pride. And if you're going to have wins in your life, we need to understand what Jesus is teaching us about laying down ourselves and humbling ourselves. Satan said, you'll be recognized. Everyone will see that you're God. You ever done something at work or even at home and you don't get appreciated? Come on. You don't get recognized for what you're doing? No, you don't think they really see how important you are or how much you've done or how much you're contributing? You know, that's easy to do. It's really easy to do. I feel like that sometimes with my students, and they, they, they do a paper or something like that, and they say, oh, you know, they think it should be up here, but it was really, really bad, but that's beside the point. We feel that way so often, right? Come on. But that's nothing but pride. And if we're going to say, God, what does it mean to, to have a win? What does that really does it mean to step in to that win? That means we've got to trust he has a plan. 
and we've got to surrender our pride to do it our way, to arrange it like we want it to do. Satan comes to him one last time, and this is the most diabolical of his temptations, the one that is the most uh, tempting for him to understand and what's going on. And, and the, the, see, the power of Christ comes by serving him alone, by serving him alone and not adding another. Because Satan comes to him and says, why don't you just bow down and worship me? You can still be God. You can still serve God. You can do all the Jesus things you want. You can heal. You can get your disciples. You can send them out. You can empower them. You can do anything. You can cast out demons. I don't care. Just worship me too. And just add me to the mix. You see, the temptations we have so often is that we just tend to add God to the life we already have. So we, I'm going to add church, I'm going to add this, I'm going to add these people, I'm going to add this thought, I'm going to add this language, I'm going to add this, this devotion. Come on, come on. All those things are good, but when we're only adding those things to what God is already, uh, what God wants to do in our life, then we have fallen right to the temptation that Jesus taught us how to have, be, have victory over. And the victory is Him alone. It's Him alone. That's our life. That's our heart. To surrender everything to him. To give everything to him. That's what God wants us to do. If you're going to have victory, say, Greg, I need wins in my life. How do I get a win in this situation? How do I get a win over here? How do I get a win over here? Then understand, it's him alone. Serve him alone. It's not, I'm going to add my plan, and I'm going to add my, my uh, manipulation, and I'm going to try to do it this way, and I'm going to do this, instead of just saying, God, you alone. This is how we find win. This is what God is trying to do in our life. You see, here's my second thought. We build wins and the win by knowing who we are in Christ. You have to know who Christ is. He is divine. He is powerful. He has a plan. He has a purpose for you. We have to surrender our pride to him. We have to understand that. But secondly, you have to know who you are in Christ. If you don't understand who you are in Christ and you don't understand your identity and what God's trying to do in your life, then, then you're going to miss the whole point of how to find wins in your life. You see, in this second set, the, the first was a temptation by Satan. This was a temptation by men. Jesus was asked a lot of questions. But in Matthew 22, we have sort of the questions consolidated. And each group of religious people of of uh, special people came up and they began to question and began to ask Jesus to try to trip him up. So this was a temptation by man. He had defeated the temptation by Satan. Now he has a temptation by man. How was he going to live? What was his mission really all about? And we need to understand this. And the first question came up and says, it was about taxes. Don't we love taxes? We all love taxes. So he, he, they, they thought, we'll get you. Because if you say we should pay taxes, then the people aren't going to like it. If you, you say we shouldn't pay taxes, the Romans are going to kill you. So we got you either way. And he says, do we pay taxes? Jesus said, show me a coin. And they showed him a coin. And he says, whose image is on that? And he said, well, Caesar, of course. And then give to Caesar what's Caesar. And give to God what is God. And this is what he's saying. Whose image is on you? This is where you belong. Everything, because this absolutely freezes as well, everything that is, that is in our financial world and such, it's not ours. <laughs> you know, we get, we get to hold it and we get to move it in and out. It all belongs to somebody else. 
but we belong to God. And if we begin to understand we totally, completely belong to Christ, we belong to Christ. That's the first thing we need to understand. You want wins in your life? You need to understand, I belong to Christ. My life is Christ. That's who I am. I belong to Christ. Christianity is not just about being good or being better. It's about being His. You see... You can't be good enough. <laughs> you can't do good enough. Those are called works. God wants us to do good works, but he does so as we understand we are his. We belong to him. It's not us. It's not us that does this. Romans 14.8 says, if we live, <laughs> we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we are living or whether we are dying or whether we're struggling or whether it's been a good day, come on or it's been a bad day, or a hard day, or a difficult day, or a really, really excellent day. It doesn't matter what it is. We belong to the Lord. That's how you win. That's how you win. Oh, Greg, I, I need to find a win. I need to somehow, you know, because I've been losing, 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 and I know it feels that way sometimes. How do I get that win in, in my life? How do I feel the wind where I'm sailing above the waves that are below me? How do I find that victory in my life, Greg? Come on. You need to understand you belong to Christ. You belong to Him in the good days and the bad days. The second question was another group of religious people came up and said, uh, let me ask you a question, Jesus. It was about the resurrection. He says, if a man uh, is married to a woman and he dies and he has six brothers... The law says that each uh, brother has to marry the wife and so that she'll raise his children. And if he brother comes and then the second brother dies and then the third marries her and the third brother dies and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth and the seventh, come on. You know, that's, it's, it's sort of silly, but they're making the point because here is the point. They were Sadducees. And you know why they were sad, you see? Because they didn't believe in the resurrection. Because resurrections... Uh, is the key of everything, and they were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in the resurrection. You got that? You'll always know which ones didn't believe in the resurrection. The Sadducees didn't. So they didn't believe in the resurrection anyway. It was, it was all smoke and mirrors on this because they were just trying to trip him up and try to prove, they were trying to prove the absurdity of the resurrection. They were trying to prove that the resurrection wasn't even possible, that there was all kinds of problems with it and everything that would, would fall through. It, would, it wouldn't work. It, it wouldn't make any difference. And so Jesus, though, understanding this, said, no, 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 you missed the point. It's not just about this, because in the end, when we get to heaven, it's not about who we're married, because the, the closeness, the relationship, that a relationship that the marriage is supposed to have, we will have with everyone. There will be an incredible unity beyond we can even imagine, a oneness, a connection, because we will be Get it? The body of Christ <laughs> in our glorified bodies. So, so Jesus said, you missed the point. Because here's, here's the idea. We belong to the truth. Not only if you're going to make wins in your life, you're going to have wins in your life. You belong to Christ. And secondly, you have to belong to the truth. If you don't belong to the truth, you're not going to make it. You have to embrace the truth. Jesus said in Matthew 22, 29, Jesus replied, you are in error. <laughs> error. <laughs> You're wrong. You're thinking wrong. Your premise is wrong. Everything about what you're doing is wrong. Why? Because you do not know the Scriptures. And therefore, you do not have the power of God. 
You see, we don't know God's word. We're not living God's word. We're not following God's word. So we don't have any power to bring the wins in our life. You want to win? Then know God's word. Know what the scripture teaches us. Know that God said, I will. Know the faithfulness of God. Know everything that God's trying to do in our life. Understand that if we grab a hold of that and we understand the scripture, then we're going to understand what God is trying to do in our life and the power that comes. You see... The truth is connected to the power of the Spirit. And that's where we find the win. Then we get to the most diabolical question. Because this was about directly attacking our relationships. So the final group of religious people came to Jesus and said, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Now, this is, this is, you've got to understand what's going on. There was a group of them. And over here, they thought the greatest commandment was this. And over here, they thought the greatest commandment was this. You see, if, if I ask just this group over here, what do you think is the greatest New Testament teaching? Maybe you'll say John 3.16. Oh, John 3.16. And maybe over here, though, if I ask you something else, you, 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 maybe it's about loving one another or, or whatever. I, I don't know. So which is the greatest? What do you do? And they were pitted against each other. So no matter what Jesus said, he would be sowing division. He would alienate one group or another. He was trapped. <laughs> so what did Jesus do? Jesus summed it all up and said, love God with all your heart. Love God with all your mind and love God with all your strength. That's the greatest commandment. And then he said, the second commandment. Said, Wait, there's a, there, what is the, the second? No one ever thought about what's the second greatest uh, commandment. And he said, here's the second. Love one another. Love one another. Because, you see, the whole Old Testament is summed up. You don't, you, we don't see it this way, but everything in the Old Testament is summed up in loving God and loving others. That's what God's Word's about. And that's what Jesus came to live, loving God and loving each other. And having that relationship and having that connection. You see, so often, here it is, we reject vessels that aren't perfect because they don't have the right theology in this analogy, or they have a little bit of crack in them, or they don't look very good on the outside, or they have a design that we don't like. Come on. We don't say, well, that's that, that not a good vessel. I don't want that vessel in my house. So we, don't, we live it aside. It's not as good as we want, or it's not as perfect as we want, or it doesn't hold as much as we think it should hold, or it's too small, whatever. And we divide, and we push aside. And when the whole scripture and the whole point is, we bring all the vessels we bring every one of them so that God can fill them because you don't fill the vessel. That's the point. We judge one another so easily. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not here. We judge one another. We miss the whole point of understanding how we're to love one another. That's how you bring wins. It's, Greg, I want to win in my life. Love one another. Wait, how would that do anything? <laughs> you know what that does? That releases the oil in your life and brings the power of God in your life when we trust God and say, God, do what you want to do in my life. Move in my heart. And here's the last victory that God taught us. It says, we build winds and the wind by the price Christ paid. By the price that Christ paid. For three hours. So we had three temptations. We had three questions. Now we have three hours. For three hours, it was darkness. Literally, it seems to indicate darkness covered the world. Certainly, it covered that whole place, and maybe 
And God in his, in his power covered the whole world. I don't know if it was just dark clouds or it was an eclipse or something, whatever, but it was, it was dark. Three hours, Jesus felt and had to walk through darkness. Three hours, Jesus had to endure mocking. Okay, you made the world. You created everybody and everything by your hands, right? And now they're mocking you? <laughs> you ever had your children sass back at you? <laughs> Excuse me. And you start to go, you know, that it's not godly. I'll just say it. But you think, I brought you in this world. I can take you out, you know. Are you, are you kidding me, you know? Everything I've done for you, everything I'm like that, I, I had you when you were a baby and could do nothing <laughs> because I love you. <laughs> Got to get that part in. <laughs> we, we, we love you, okay? This God was on that cross that made heaven and earth, and they were mocking him and teasing him and ridiculing him. He was there in shame. The shame of our sin was put on him. Three hours of darkness, three hours of mocking, three hours of pain. Such incredible pain. Sometimes I think we, we sanitize the cross and we don't understand. Because you see, okay, wait a minute, let's think about this. If Satan tempted him in the wilderness... And man tempted with the questions, was this God's test? And I would say no. This was, this was Christ's test. Will I stand? Will I pay? Will I be mocked? Will I stand in darkness? Will I suffer this pain so that somebody else can find salvation? So somebody can know. And he started with a thief that was right on the cross. Jesus' last words we know from this moment. Jesus' last words were, what? It is done, right? It is finished. Those were his last words on the cross, but those weren't his last words. <laughs> those were the last words that he spoke when he hung on the cross, but those weren't the last words because we know in Revelation chapter 21, starting in verse 6, it says, Jesus said, it is finished. It is done. <laughs> and then he said, because I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning, the end. Uh, those who are victorious, those who have wins, will inherit all of this, and I will uh, be their God, and they will be my children. Come on. He said, I've paid the price. Do we understand the price? You see, you will never experience and know the wins until you understand he paid the price. It's not because I'm good enough. It's not because I'm righteous enough. It's not because I do it, but because I have Christ in me. He paid the price. And in that understanding, do we understand and are we willing to pay the price? Are we willing to go and find the vessels to fill the house? To say, God, fill this vessel. Are we willing to sit next to a broken, stinking vessel? Even when they take your chair that you always sit in because that's your chair. Oh, well, that's another whole story, Pastor. Or were they praying the last cup of coffee before you get there? Stupid vessel. Are we willing to pay the price? Are we willing to knock on the door and say, come on, give me one more vessel? Come on, just one more vessel. Just one more vessel. And so for a long time now, I stopped praying, God, give us people. I don't want people. I want empty, broken vessels. 
Because if there's an empty, if we are hungry for God, if we are filled with empty, broken vessels in this house, then the Holy Spirit will be pulled out and, and the anointing oil will flow in our lives and we will see wind and we will see winds like we've never imagined. Come on, God. Give us broken vessels. You know, the ugly ones that nobody wants. The cracked ones that, that leak a little bit. and Get it all over our floor. You're getting our anointing oil all over the floor because you're leaking. Because, <laughs> you know, they, they leak sometimes. And they're not designed just right. And they, they're sort of funny. And sometimes they smell. And they don't, they don't have the right shape, you know, because we like all the shape. Imagine if one of those boys were just a little bit OCD. No, I, I don't like that one because it doesn't have the right shape. We just so focus on, the, on that sometimes we miss the point about it's God's feeling. It's God pouring empty, empty vessels in. That's what God wants for us. Are you hungry? And I know we're saying, Craig, I need a win in my life. I need a win in my finances. <laughs> this woman needed a win in her finances. And God poured oil into empty vessels. If you're looking for a win, God will pour oil. Financially, God will pour if you just trust him, if you believe in him, if you know who he is, if you trust what he's doing, if you believe he's got a plan and a purpose for you, if you trust in all of that, God will be there. But it, it means we first are hungry. Are you hungry? Not just for that win or not just for the wins. Are you hungry for him? Because that hunger changes everything. Father, I thank you for your grace and your mercy in this place. God, I, I pray that you would stir our hearts. You would stir every single heart. And God, if there's any vessel watching online, if there's any vessel watching this in the sound of my voice, or anyone in this room, that it feels empty. God, I pray right now, through your grace and through your mercy, you would fill God, feel those that don't know you, God, as they turn their heart to you and say, God, come into my life. I give you my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my brokenness. Forgive me of all of these things. And fill me with your presence and your love and your mercy and your grace. God, I pray for that. And God, I also pray for everyone, every heart, God, that we would be hungry for you. That, God, we would always come in saying, God, fill me. God, fill me. God, fill me. Fill me with who you are. And God, that we would go find empty vessels. No matter what they looked like and no matter where they come from and no matter what junk pile we find them on or how they've been discarded and bring them to the house so that God can fill them. God, that's my prayer. Help me. Help me, Lord. Help us as a body. Help each person see the value of your presence. In the name of Jesus, I pray.